We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with the vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. and You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Good morning and welcome to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And this is a Friday and sometimes on Fridays we like to uh, take a step away from just the current news of the day and focus on some biblical worldview content. And I am so excited uh, this morning for this show in particular because a couple of months ago I had an opportunity to interview my mom and she is a wonderful biblical counselor. That is her main ministry and I want to play that interview for you now. Today, my mom is joining me uh, to talk about biblical counseling and uh, the truth about so-called Christian psychology. So I'll welcome her in in just a moment, but I want to remind everyone as well that the Essential Church movie is out starting today in theaters. You can go to EssentialChurchMovie.com and see where it is playing at a theater near you. And I would encourage you to bring your family, uh, bring your friends, if they're Christian or not Christians, you will go away encouraged knowing about the essential nature of the church, uh, the definition of the church, the role of the church uh, throughout world history and the importance of standing firm that Christ is the head of the church, not the state, not Caesar. And it goes through a really um, incredibly well done explanation of why standing firm on church polity really matters and the true doctrine of the church and it also tells the true story of the pastors, including uh, my client, Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church, and their stand against Gavin Newsom in L.A. County in the midst of the COVID narrative and trying to shut down church. And ultimately, we won an incredible victory uh, there in the state of California because our Constitution protects uh, the the essential nature of the church and religious freedom through our First Amendment, and that's contrasted in the movie uh, against the what happened in Canada to uh, two pastors that are also featured in the Essential Church movie who actually went to jail uh, for a month uh, because they were willing to open up their church against the orders uh, of the state in Canada, and so uh, really what this describes is our moment in time standing firm, but it puts it in the greater context of the faithful witnesses who have gone before and who have stood firm in their day for Christ being the head of the church. And the encouragement of seeing this movie is to make sure that we all understand, and especially pastors, for all the pastors listening uh, and who will see this movie, that we understand when the next 
thing happens. When the state comes and tries to tell the church how to worship, they can't worship, what to teach, what not to teach, any of those things that are the jurisdiction of the church— that we stand firm and we say no. And so as Pastor MacArthur <laughs> told me in a in an interview, and you can find that at the com. that's my Salem Media podcast, uh, he told me that he hopes that pastors feel guilty when watching this uh, genuinely and to say, you know, if, if we were ones that didn't open our doors and didn't stand firm, that, uh, that those pastors would say, next time, I'm going to stand firm for the church. So again, it's the essential church, and that is out in theaters today. And I will now welcome in uh, my mom, Valerie Ellis, and thanks, Mom, so much for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Yeah, it was so great to... Yeah, and it's so much fun um, to get to talk to you. And, and we were talking after the program yesterday uh, how all of our discussions that we have, I mean, our family, we, we love to talk about everything. And um, everybody knows after hearing from you why, you know, I'm a philosopher because that was just our conversations all growing up. But we were talking about um, how much fun it was to just have, you know, one of our normal conversations that um, that could be aired and people could uh, have an opportunity to listen and to get to know our family uh, better. And so, um, so we talked about parenting and homeschooling and uh, why the the role of the parents to disciple children is so incredibly important. And um, that was yesterday. And today, um, as everyone is, has now been introduced to you as, as a mom and, um, and as a parent, you have when I went to when I went to college and then to law school. You decided to go back to uh, to college and to get your degree in theology, and then um, your master's degree in biblical counseling. And you have a wonderful, amazing ministry through our church as a biblical counselor. And so, I wanted to focus on that uh, for the show today to really give listeners an understanding of the difference between biblical counseling versus so-called Christian psychology. So, define that uh, a, a little bit for us, Mom. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a question that a lot of people are very confused on. So, let's start with a secular uh, counselor, secular psychologist who has been trained in the theories of men, um, almost all of them theories that have come from atheists who do not believe there is a God or a spiritual aspect to human beings. The, the counselor himself or herself does not, um, is, does not hold to the Christian faith, but they believe that they have answers for anyone, no matter what your faith is, or if you have any faith at all, uh, through the theories of these men. What is, how can we help you in your distress, in your situation, and whatever you come in uh, for counseling for? They are licensed by the state, which means they are under the state's authority to counsel people in a certain way. That's a secular psychologist. Then we have a Christian psychologist whose training is substantially the same or exactly the same if they've gone to a secular university. They've gone to a Christian university who, um, where you can get a degree in psychology. Uh, they have maybe had more uh, Bible training, but as far as their counseling, it's substantially the same as a secular person. Now, this Christian is also under the authority of the state, licensed by the state to do what the state wants them to do. They may or may not 
integrate their faith to whatever extent. Uh, they Their license would be in jeopardy if they did it without the approval of their counselee, though. So the, a Christian psychologist or Christian counselor is a Christian who is doing secular counseling. That's mm. what that is. We have what is now called biblical counseling. It used to be called pastoral counseling. Um, our training is completely different. We are trained, my undergrad, like you said, is in theology, uh, and we are trained in how does our faith inform us to face the situations that we are facing in life. The situation could be something external to ourselves that's causing us grief or um, problems of some kind, or it could be an internal problem that is within ourselves, within our own soul. We're having anxiety or depression or discouragement or difficulties getting along with people in relationships, whatever it is. There's there's uh, situations that are external to ourselves that we have to deal with, and then there's um, our own internal um, situations that we have to deal with. But a biblical counselor is not just it's not a simple thing. Here's a Bible verse, go home and, you know, call me in the morning. But it is, it is teaching that Christian to live out their faith in the context of the situation that has been given to them by the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. All situations Christians are in have been given to us by the sovereignty of God. And our question is, how does God want me to live out my faith in this situation? So those, and, and those that... are three main categories. Yeah, and and that makes so much sense to distinguish this as a as a biblical counselor first and foremost asking that question of are you also a Christian because you've had people come to you for counseling that um, that ultimately found out that they they weren't saved they maybe are going to church they think they're a Christian or they've been raised in a Christian home but they really haven't accepted the lordship of Christ over their lives where if they were going to a so-called Christian psychologist, then they, the, the counselor would use psychology and other methods and maybe not even ask them ever. I mean, it would be like if you go to a doctor who, uh, who gives you, you know, medication and treats um, your physical ailment, whether they are a Christian or secular, they're still going to prescribe the same medicine. It doesn't matter necessarily whether uh, they are a Christian or not for that specific purpose. And the same thing with a Christian psychologist, where they employ the methods of, a, of secular theory, and you know Freud and all of these other um, secular psychology philosophers, rather than first asking that question of, do you know the lordship of Jesus Christ? And and so you, that's that's um, that's your first question to people, right? And and you counsel people who are Christians to live the Christian life. Absolutely, biblical counseling is not for non-believers. Why? Because we integrate. The truths of our faith through the Word of God, prayer, the Holy Spirit within, doing the convicting, and just the fellowship of the saints. We want them to be involved in a church. Uh, we we want them to be using their own spiritual gifting. Some of them don't even know what those are, but you know it's the it's the context of the entire Christian life that. And if if you do not have um, the Lord as the Lord of your life, then, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to go very far. And that's how, you know, at first 
um, when people come in, they may say, yes, I'm a Christian, and most of them are. I mean, predominantly the people who come for biblical counseling actually are born-again believers. <clears throat> Excuse me. But some have come in, and they didn't – they did not – uh, realize that they have never been born again. They just claimed to be a Christian. So, yeah, we deal with that right away if that's the case. Yeah, and 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 that also is a very different purpose for biblical counseling than psychology. That gives you simply the tools to, uh, you know, to maybe cope with with your situation or, um, you know, how to 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 not be angry as much or you know some some other things. And a lot of it also is. Um, unfortunately, medication and some of these like SSRI drugs and other things to manage depression and manage uh, their life rather than understanding as a Christian, how do we fulfill God's purpose for our life and how do we live the Christian life in the midst of the circumstances that, as you said, mom, the sovereignty of God presents us to, because we all will deal with sin in life, which is our own sin and the sin that is perpetuated on us. And how do we deal with that Christianly, not just manage it or think that um, we can we can use and employ the tools of the world to address those problems, just like the church shouldn't be uh, using the tools of the world like secular marketing techniques and, and measurements based on, you know, the numbers or the donations or some of those other worldly metrics. Um, the metric of a successful church is if you're teaching the truth of the gospel of Christ and you're shepherding the people in your church and you're being the, the, the church. Uh, and that's the same thing in the life of, of a Christian. And so um, in just the last minute that we have here, um, how would you, in this segment, um, how would you then tell people to, um, to if they are seeking counseling, look for a Christian counselor that is focused on biblical theological principles instead of a Christian psychologist? Yeah, that's a great question also. There are several uh, organizations that keep a list of uh, biblical counselors, not Christian psychologists. Um, ACBC is one of them, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And then the one that I belong to, IABC, International Association of Biblical Counselors. All right, we'll take a break here and we will be right back with more with my mom, Valerie Ellis, talking about biblical counseling right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. And if you want uh, to reach me or reach my mom, as a number of you have since this interview first aired, you can always reach me, Jenna, at AFR.net. And IABC uh, is the, the International Association of Biblical Counselors is the website that you can also go to to look for a biblical counselor. According to a recent study of hundreds of post-abortive women, 60% of women reported that they would have preferred to give birth if they had received more support from others or had more financial security. And that's where Preborn steps in. 
Preborn is there for women in their darkest hour, deciding between the life and death of their precious child. You see, the reality is women are being pressured to make this fatal decision and are being told that their babies are just clumps of cells. Preborn welcomes women with God's love and introduces them to the beautiful life growing inside of them, which doubles their baby's chance at life. When you support preborn, you are not only supporting women, you empower them. Your donation of $28 will help a woman make a choice that she won't have to regret for the rest of her life and gives her the ultimate blessing, life. Your love can save a life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And for this Friday, we are talking about biblical counseling and the difference between uh, Christian counseling from a specifically biblical uh, worldview basis and that the Bible alone is sufficient to address the sin problem of man versus psychology that is rooted in the secular theories of the world on man's problems and how to overcome uh, those difficulties. And so I'm interviewing my mom, and this was an original interview that aired a few months ago, and I wanted to play it for you now because this has been one of the most requested programs that my audience uh, didn't get to listen to. So we are continuing with my interview of my mom, Valerie Ellis. Uh, We've been talking about the difference between biblical counseling and so-called Christian psychology and how biblical counseling is to encourage the believer how to live out their faith in the midst of whatever their circumstances are rather than and contrasted with the Christian psychologist that would employ the tools of a secular philosophy to try to manage uh, whatever symptoms or whatever problems the counselee would be coming uh, to seek from that counselor. So my very special guest is my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a certified counselor with the International Association of Biblical Counselors. You can find them at iabc.net. And mom, as, as you were describing uh, the differences in uh, in the biblical counseling model versus Christian psychology, uh, I want to ask then, so f- for a, an example of how biblical counseling would approach a situation and how is that different than how a Christian psychologist would would inform or counsel that person in that situation? Yeah, so typically a uh, psychological view of a of problem or a psychological approach would entail uh, looking outside yourself for why I'm like I am. So we have adult children of alcoholics. We have, well, you're married to a narcissist, or you grew up poor, or this happened to you, or you're traumatized over here. You know, all, all these things that may be true, but the reason that we're responding to the situation has got to fall on us. Our respons- We have to take responsibility for how I am responding to the situation that I am in. And a biblical counselor does not go for behavior modification. That's very superficial, very superficial. We get below the behavior to the heart because Jesus told us the issues of life come from our own hearts. 
So we look for the the heart idols that a person has that are they are choosing to respond in a certain way. One example I I can think of um, it has to do with the dynamics when somebody comes in for marriage counseling, but. I had a couple come in for marriage counseling, and um, the first thing, you know, why are you here, whatever, and the man, the husband said, we need some tools. We just need some tools so we can get along better. And um, that's that's very typical. You even use that word, Jenna. You know, people are, they just use these certain tools. Well, in, you know, taking the history of it, and when I figured out what was going on, this man was an extreme control freak. And... That's his heart problem. He needs a change of heart before he can change his behavior. So instead of going through the tools, I said, I'm not going to give you any tools whatsoever because all you will do is use the tools that I give you to be more proficient at trying to control your wife. Mm. So until your heart changes and you no longer have a desire to control, nothing's going to change. And so we get down to that heart level, the root issue in each one of our hearts before we try to do um, anything about the behavior itself, the practical application of Scripture. And so that makes so much the same sense. Way, yeah, addiction, yeah, why are they? I have a, a lady right now who is um, has an eating disorder, and before we try to change how she behaves with food, we have to get down to what is your relationship with food and where is your heart in this? It, people, when they have addictions to things or and they behaviors that they can't stop but they say that they want to, they are hanging on to those behaviors for a certain reason. It's something that they desire in their heart. And we get down to this woman who I'm, I'm counseling right now, she is – she is very definitely, her eyes are being opened, like, oh, this isn't just having enough willpower to stay on the right diet that I'm supposed to do. This is, I got to have a heart change. And the reason that biblical counseling is 100% effective if the counselor is a good counselor and giving the right advice, plus the person is accepting it, is because all of us need a change of heart and only God himself can change our hearts. So, and how do we, we can't change our heart, but we can facilitate the Lord changing our heart through repentance. And we have to know what to repent of. Once we repent, God changes our hearts. Now we're in a totally different situation and frame of mind to deal with the situation that we're in. And our behavior changes. Think about it. If somebody's a control freak, there's a thousand different behaviors manipulative, controlling behaviors that they're involved in. Well, we could be in therapy until Jesus comes back, hitting all thousand of those behaviors and trying to get that person to change. But once they repent of the desire to control situations and other people in their lives, a thousand behaviors are taken care of. Mm. And, and, and that's and so much more helpful. have to be in therapy. Yeah, it's Absolutely. so much more hopeful yeah. because then it's not, well, this is just the way I was born or this is what my parents uh, introduced me to or perpetuated on me. And the culture would tell you that the way that you're born and and the, the life that 
you have lived, um, you can only manage those quote unquote toxic behaviors or, you know, you have to get to, to have tools to be able to manage so that you're not overrun by other toxic people in your life or, you know, some of those things. Mm-hmm. And you just, you learn ultimately how to be more selfish, frankly, you know, rather than Absolutely. saying, okay, everything that I do as a Christian, every relationship that I'm in, whether it's your spouse, to your kids, to your friends, to your pastor, to, you know, whoever it is, your parents, there is a way that I live God honoring. And there are ways that I can also live that are sinful. And if we go back to the root of um, the heart, as you were mentioning, mom, um, that, and you've always told me this, which is absolutely true, that our feelings simply show and evidence what we're thinking. And then if we're thinking Mm -hmm. biblically and truthfully, our feelings and our emotions will line up with the truth. And so we have to know, are we thinking rightly about a situation? Are we responding biblically to a situation? And, and, and there, as you were mentioning the, the, the woman that you're counseling with um, an eating disorder um, in everything that we do, whether it's cleaning our house, it's doing, um, you know, if you're a college student and getting good grades, if it's, you know, working uh, to the glory of God, whether, you know, it's eating, drinking, all that we do, do to the glory of God, that's that's in scripture. And so saying, what does God have for me to do in this situation? And rather than using things to have a method of escape, basically, or to um, to s- fulfill other desires or, you know, whatever the motivation is, we need to change our heart attitude toward our circumstances. And, and then we have so much more joy and we can, as the scripture admonishes, we can do all things. We can live under any circumstances through Christ. And, and that's the whole point of biblical counseling. And so what about things like depression or things that are typically medicated by the, uh, the view of a, of a traditional psychologist? Um, and, and because I know a lot of objections would say, well, how can we just use the Bible for things that actually need a medical solution? Yeah, well, I use as my, um, as an expert on that topic, Dr. Peter Bregan, his website is B as in boy, R-E-G-G-I-N.com, I believe. Uh, he is a psychiatrist who has written many books blowing the whistle on his profession of over, over-prescribing drugs when, they're not, when other methods of helping a person are, number one, not toxic to their brain, and number two, actually do help them solve their problem, not just numb them out. So things like depression and anger, those types of emotional um, difficulties that people are in, um, the, when we're talking about the heart, the human heart, the Bible tells us, lusts for things. 24-7, the human heart is lusting for something that we believe will make us happy. It could be um, the typical ones, money, possessions sexual experiences, control, approval, seeking of others, significance, pleasure, comfort. These are all less of the flesh. And I, I give my uh, counselees the Bible verses in the New Testament that talk about the less of the flesh. I've never heard a pastor speak on that in a church service because typically less of flesh is only for, um, they consider, you know, the sexual lust. But we are all lusting for something that we think will make us happy. 
And when we don't get what we want, we get angry or we get depressed. So when I have a counselee who's got an anger problem or coming, they're somebody who comes in and they're depressed, of course it's not just an easy fix, but um, and I do have compassion for them. That's a difficult burden to bear, but we we look for the things. What is your heart lusting for? Um, that's in your flesh. What is it lusting for, and what does that look like, and how you, you believe you're not getting it, so you get depressed and you just get, um, you know, when, when somebody who's lusting for approval of people in their life and they don't believe they're getting enough approval, they get depressed, and they they can get depressed for a very long time, and then they go to a psychologist who says, now you're clinically depressed. Well, yeah, because you haven't dealt with the lust of your flesh. And when these people understand that dynamic that's going on inside themselves and how Satan is involved in that um, to a certain extent also, and they can repent of their desire for approval or control or whatever it is, then they begin to walk in the Spirit. And Galatians 5 says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. It's one or the other for all of us. All day long, every day, we're either in the spirit or we're in our flesh going after the things that we're lusting for and trying to get them what we're lusting for with various methods. And it's those lusts of our flesh that are, that are um, causing our problems, and we need to get to that. So, no, we, I mean, would I say that all medications are unnecessary? No. I think somebody who's going through extreme grief or a very difficult situation may need those they may need to be numbed out maybe for a bit, but is it the answer to your soul problem? No. Mm-hmm. And are most of the, I mean, think about this. Can a physical drug do something about the spiritual realm? No. The physical drug does something to our physical bodies. But most of the time, these difficulties that we have derive from our spiritual aspect, not our physical aspect. So that's why the drugs are ineffective and cannot reach the heart of man. So. And and that's that is so biblically accurate. And of course, you know, going to see a doctor for a physical problem, if you're, for example, in a car accident and you're and you're bleeding out, you need a physical remedy because it's a physical problem. But for the spiritual problems, for the heart of man, for the nature of man, for our sin, those are spiritual problems. And and the prolific use of drugs to, as you said, mom, to just numb people to their emotional and spiritual responses isn't solving the problem. It's just masking the symptoms. And because psychologists and especially the secular world has no answers or solutions, um, they just say, well, we'll try to figure out a way to be happy. Go spend more money. Go seek more pleasure. Go." They encourage the lust that will never be satiated as the remedy and saying, well, you know, just remove all the toxicity from your life or go seek the abundance of pleasure and satisfaction. And that will never be enough because they will never be dealing with the true heart problem, which is that we all need to come into a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and live according to his truth. And that is repentance. That is saying, I'm putting aside sin and I am choosing to repent for that, to confess my sin and to live according to the instruction in righteousness that the Bible presents. And that's where we have hope and joy 
and and true happiness. Happiness isn't just pleasure, it's it's joy in the Lord. And so there is so much more hope in this. And and right, for the pastor right. Yeah, go go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say that it is it if I go to a Christian counselor, Christian psychologist, or secular psychologist, and I tell him I had a horrible mom and, you know, she treated me such and such a way or whatever, and he said, you know what, you are right. This is, you are like you are because you had a mom who treated you this way. I have no hope because I cannot go back and change my childhood, what happened during my childhood. But if but if you go to a biblical counselor who says, you know what, you have been sinned against very grievously by your mom or by your dad or by your boss, whoever it was, yes, you have been sinned grievously. And now what does the Lord want you to do as his child in that situation? How can you live out your faith because of that? And when Jesus promised the abundant life, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lesson of your flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap life. And we'll take another break right there. I'm speaking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, and this is an interview that aired a couple of months ago. And I'm so excited for all of you to be able to hear about the difference between biblical counseling and psychology or secular-based counseling. And so again, if you want to reach me um, or uh, reach my mom or another uh, biblical counselor in your area, you can contact me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net, or you can reach out to uh, the International Association of Biblical Counselors online, and they have a uh, a form there where you can uh, request contact information for a biblically-based counselor in your area. So we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'm Jenna Ellis. And a few months ago, I had an opportunity to interview my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a biblical counselor. And this has been one of the most requested programs here at AFR. I was filling in for another show. So my audience this morning uh, and those of you who listen to this program regularly did not have an opportunity to hear this very important interview. So we're going to play the last segment right now with my mom, Valerie Ellis. We're talking about the truth about psychology and the difference between the biblical counselor that trains the Christian in how we should live out our faith and approach all of our circumstances from a truth-based biblical perspective versus uh, psychology and the secular principles of the world and the ideology that has no answers, no solutions for the problem of sin. And so, Mom, you were uh, talking before the break about just some you know amazing stories of uh, counselees that have come to you for training and instruction in righteousness and the difference between what answers they got that that weren't sufficient from psychologists versus biblical counseling. And so um, just finish that whole hope-based fulfillment of what biblical counseling can actually provide uh, to the Christian. Yeah, well, I'll give you a couple more examples that come to mind. Um, I had a couple many years ago who 
Uh, he had been a serial adulterer. And when the wife, his wife found out, of course, she was devastated and heartbroken. Um, they went to their pastor. The pastors don't want to deal with uh, counseling in difficult situations, typically. So he gave them the card of the Christian psychologist down the street. And um, they went for about three months. Um, the, the, sec- the Christian psychologist told the husband that... Um, and this is a quote, you know, um, we can't help what we're attracted to. If you like the color yellow, you like the color yellow. So, uh, you know, you, you are not to be blamed for what happened to you. And he told the wife, you know, she had a part to play in his adultery because, you know, whatever her problems or her sins were. And um, they, things weren't getting better. It was looking like they were headed for divorce and he was going to be, uh, ending, end up marrying his latest adulteress. Well, they got my name from uh, someone at their church, and they came, and I hadn't taken all that history, but the first thing I did that first night is is confront him that this is, you know, sin on his part, and he needs to take responsibility for it, however I said that. And um, he was he was shocked. He later told me that was the first time anyone – including his pastor or the Christian uh, counselor, told him that it's his fault that he behaves that way. They look for something outside yourself that, to, that's making you behave the way you are. So we, um, of course, talked about what adultery is. It's sinful. And why was, he, why was he involved in that sexual sin? What was that giving him that his heart was lusting for? And um, turns out he was bored and he wanted excitement, and that's why he did that. So, anyway, long story short, he repented. He completely, God changed his heart, and now he is a completely devoted husband to his wife, and he doesn't have a problem with that at all. Um, so that's that's what God can do. This isn't because I have any tools or methods. It's because what God does in a situation. Um, another woman who came in, she had been very depressed for months. She had been a missionary to Africa for a year, and she came home and immediately was depressed. Everybody told her it was must be culture shock. She went to a psychologist. She got on a bunch of drugs. They weren't helping. They upped her dosage. I mean, she was, she was debilitated with her drugs. And um, somebody gave her my name. She comes in. We start talking. And I thought, it has something to do with her in Africa that that now she's depressed. Like, what was it that she wanted? And we talked for a while. Turns out she went to Africa because she was lusting for significance. She went to a big church. She was a little insignificant person, and she wrote, she noticed that missionaries – are very significant, and they get they get a lot of notoriety in this church. So she says, I'm going to go to Africa, and then when I come back, I'm going to be significant in this church. Well, she came back. They didn't give her a ticker tape parade. They didn't do anything, and that immediately plunged her into depression because many times we are depressed because we're not getting what we want. So when we uncovered that lust of her flesh for significance and how sinful it is to go to Africa – under the guise of doing God's work, but you're really doing it to get notoriety for yourself. Sounds a lot like what Moses got in trouble for. But anyway, she repented. She saw it as 
as sinful and evil and despicable as it is, she repented. Today, she's off all drugs now. She's living a glorious and victorious Christian life. So, you know, in the in the marriage relationship, the a psychologist is not going to talk about the husband being the head of the home and the wife being submissive and what that actually means and how they are a team and they're one flesh. All those things that God has given us, those truths and instruction, uh, because God instituted marriage, you're not going to find that. You're just going to get the tools on how to affirm one another when you're in an argument or, you know, all the things. So we absolutely, we biblical counselors get below the surface and, and find out what the root of the difficulty is. And I'm talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a biblical counselor. And, you know, mom, this is so much hope. And and I've seen, you know, people at our church who have come to you for counseling. I come to you for counseling and say, mom, how should I think about this? And, you know, there are so many things that all of us, um, no matter where we are at in life, uh, what sin personally we're dealing with or sin that is perpetuated on us, we have to think biblically. And when we do think biblically and we we choose the Holy Spirit and we choose to live the Christian life, then there is hope and there's joy in that. And and the other thing that, that, uh, that Christian psychologists will never talk about, like you said, is personal responsibility and repentance. Actually saying, I need mm-hmm. to repent and confess this as sin. No one ever wants to talk about that because we need to all affirm everybody else's life choices according to the culture and the secular theories. And we can't ever admit that we are wrong or that we are sinful. And that's exactly what the Bible calls us to is to confess our sins to one another in the context of the church. This is why the church needs to be uh, in the life of the Christian. And, you know, you talked, Mom, about pastors and how they don't want to deal with a lot of these problems. And I've heard so many pastors say, well, I can't deal with those issues. I'm not a trained psychologist. I'm not an expert. And I'm thinking, but you you are a pastor. You should be trained in, in theology, and that's how you address heart issues. And so for the pastor, uh, what should the Christian be looking for in a church that understands the role of the church in the Christian's life and understands the role of biblical counseling instead of these secular, quote-unquote, tools? Yeah, I, I uh, touch on that. I give a seminar four or five times a year when I have a small group of people who are new counselees maybe and they need to go. And I go back through the um, history of how secular psychological and philosophical theories have entered into the church. And way back in church history, they began to, you know, to believe that, you know, a pastor can give out the word and preach but then when people come to him for soul problems, that needs to be farmed out to secular people who who are trained in that. And, you know, our modern-day pastors have bought into that. But even before that, way back in the early church, they talked about um, pastors being the soul physicians, physicians of the soul. And pastors need to get back to that aspect of their role. It's not just the, as Dad says, Jenna, the cruise director. A pastor's not the cruise director who just gets <laughs> yep. up there and, and uh, you know, make sure that everybody's having fun and getting involved in things, like what cruise directors actually do. A pastor is there to teach on Sunday and then to be a physician of the soul when when his somebody 
in his flock comes to him and needs help. And you don't have to have, I mean, I, 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 I'm so blessed to have the degree that I have, but any Christian who knows the Word of God, who has the Holy Spirit within himself, he's actually born again, and knows theology, um, can counsel a fellow believer in the, in the midst of their difficulties. It, it is what God calls us to do for one another. And a pastor, especially because he's specifically called as part of his um, office in the church of being pastor, bishop, elder, um, he's called specifically to that. And God will equip him. But he, they, they've been um, duped, I think, and they've been convinced that they don't have the ability to do that. And it's, it's not true. Pastors who love their sheep and who love the Word of God and who pray can help their, uh, can help their people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's such a sad thing when we see Christians deferring to the experts in society and the people that the secular culture would say, these are the people that we need to trust because of their training uh, and their degrees and and whatever else would on a secular metric um, make them equipped. That's not what the Bible says, and that's not the the metric and the standard that the Bible provides for dealing with sin, for dealing with heart issues, for dealing with with soul issues, um, as you've said, Mom. And and so in in just the last few minutes I have here, and for everyone who's listening, if you, if this has encouraged you um, to to find a biblical counselor and to want Want to live a victorious Christian life, you can go to IABC.net. You can find a Christian biblical counselor in your area. And, you know, this isn't just for um, the the most extreme cases that, you know, my mom has been talking about. Every Christian should be a disciple of Christ, and we should be getting encouragement. And I am so grateful um, to have my mom in our family and to have my dad and that I can talk to them about um, living my Christian life in the fulfillment of God's design for the Christian. And so we should all be discipled by a true Christian. Christian, and the Bible calls us to that as well. And um, so just in the last couple of minutes that I have with you here, Mom, um, I also wanted you to talk about the fear of man, because that is a big issue, I think, for a lot of Christians that don't really understand, you know, that particular lust of the flesh and how we can overcome uh, that need to please others, or especially, you know, in my generation with all of the followers on Instagram and all of these, you know, influencers, and you need to be loved and appreciated and, you know, all of this other stuff. That's a huge issue in counseling as well. Absolutely. There are a lot of people who come in for counseling, and it turns out that they're their difficulties in relationships stem from a lust for approval, and they are consistently submitting to, giving over, giving up, you know, just letting everybody else uh, run their life, particularly Christian women who know the biblical um, command to submit to our husbands. And I call it we, we go to an extreme and we sinfully submit to our husbands and then other people around us, and that is not um, that is not what God has called us to do. So it, it's a, it's called the Bible calls it fear of man, not as you're afraid of men, but you reverence that word for you know we fear God as in we reverence Him. Well, a lot of us have a desire to be approved by by somebody else so much that we have them in a in the place in our life that 
that actually is akin to God's place. We reverence them and we we worship them. We'll do anything for them. We we let them run our lives. So that's the fear of man. And there's um, several things that you know, when that comes up in counseling and to help somebody see the sinfulness of that, um, I talk about it's a it's a denial of justification that Jesus bought for us at the cross because he this eternal son of God took on human flesh 2,000 years ago, came down and lived amongst us, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, ascended to the Father. Why? And so that we now can stand approved in the sight of God. We have God's approval, that's justification, uh, because of what Jesus did for us. When we go from that as Christians, we say, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I am justified now. God approves of me. But that is not enough. I need Susie to approve of me. I need my neighbor to approve of me. I need my mom to approve of me or anybody else in our lives. It can be one person. It can be everybody in our lives. And it is a, it's a denial of the justification that Jesus has wrought for us. And when you think about that, that's sinful. Well, that is it for us today here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. And I hope that this interview uh, really encouraged you and blessed you and uh, really inspired you to uh, get a biblical counselor in your life. If there are anything uh, that you or your family or you and your spouse uh, need to address, or if you're a single person and you're just discouraged or there are other issues uh, that you want to talk about from a biblical worldview perspective, you can go to iabc.net, look for a Christian counselor in your area, or you can contact me and my team here at AFR, Jenna at AFR.net. like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com.